This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 230. This episode is brought to you by Home Science Tools. Now, if you're homeschooling and you are looking for science kits, maybe a dissection kit for your child doing biology, or even just a free science resource center with projects and science fair ideas, curriculum resources, all of it, you can find that when you go to Home Science Tools. And if you use my referral code and use my URL, you will get $10 off your purchase as well. So just go to 41more.com forward slash Home Science Tools. Hello and welcome to episode 230. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 230. Today's episode is with one of my homeschooling friends, Becky Saylor. She is going to talk to us about the secret sauce of homeschooling. And if this sounds a little cryptic, it's because it is. You have to listen to the whole episode to really hear what the secret sauce is. Now, Becky is a homeschool mom of five boys, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story. She's graduated them, and she's a veteran homeschool mom now that has lots of wisdom to share. And actually, um, I've known Becky for several years now, many years now in the online homeschooling blogging world. But when I asked you guys for your suggestions on who we should have on the podcast this fall, Becky's name is one that came up and this specific topic was recommended. So I know that some of you out there, this is the episode you've been waiting for. So I'm so glad to bring it to you. But go ahead and listen to this episode, this chat with Becky. She has a lot of really inspirational, encouraging ideas for those moms of you who really feel like there's something better out there. You want to break out of the really strict uh, textbook curriculum box, especially with your high schoolers, but really with every age, I would say. And so if you need that bit of encouragement to know, am I going to mess up my kids if I do something that's not you know, expected, or if I break away from all the boxed curriculums, am I going to ruin my kids? Then you're going to love this chat with Becky. And we will put links in the show notes to where you can find her, but her website is a better way to homeschool.com. So listen in on this great conversation with Becky Saylor. Here is episode 230, the secret sauce of homeschool. Becky, it's so good to chat with you today. Thanks for joining us on the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. 
I am so excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I've already told you, you were a requested uh, guest here on the podcast. Someone must have heard you talk, I'm guessing like in some online conference or workshop. And they said, and when I said, who do you want you know, me to talk to on the podcast, your name came up. So we're going to talk and I, you know, this is going to be interesting because this feels very uh, cryptic, but we're going to talk about the secret sauce of homeschool. And this is what the person said, to have Becky talk about the secret sauce. So we're going to jump into that topic in a minute. But before we start, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us where you are in the homeschool journey, because you're in a different place now than you were just a few years ago. Hear me? I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I am in the beautiful season of launching my kids into their future. So we've been homeschooling over 25 years. We have five sons. And currently at home, we have one left. So just this past week, we sent our baby, the youngest, to university over a thousand miles away. And so we we find ourselves in what I call the launching stage. So that's where I am. I, I, I firmly believe there are three main seasons or stages of homeschool. That beginning stage where they're learning how to read and write and hold their pencils the launching stage where I'm at right now, where you're just helping the kids fly into life. And then that beautiful in-between, which is my favorite. This is where secret sauce lives, but that beautiful in-between called the flourishing and fun stage. So launching very hard, completely unprepared for saying goodbye to some of the kids as they leave. Um, it sneaks up on you. You know, I heard somebody say just this past week that the days are long but the years are short and boy, is that an understatement? So yeah, I'm at the end, but I still have all my feelers in homeschool because I've been coaching homeschoolers for over a decade. So I still have people that I'm helping that are in that teaching their kids how to kids like mine that are launching. So yeah. Awesome. So tell us the ages of your kids right now. Uh, that's like a final exam. Let me see if I can get that right. <laughs> So my oldest is 30 and married. He is, so he's 30 and married. I have a 25-year-old. Hmm, he is also married, just he's a newlywed. We have a 21-year-old. We have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. So there are 12 years between our five sons, which means as we homeschooled, we were teaching some how to drive at the same time that we were potty training. So we had these three like massive generations of homeschoolers move through at the same time. Yes. Okay. Yes. So did you homeschool from the very beginning? We, my husband tricked me into homeschooling when our oldest was in kindergarten. He said our church was starting what's called a co-op school where the parents teach kids within the classroom. So kind of like homeschool, but in a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want us to homeschool our son. We only had two at the time. And I said, no, because homeschoolers are weird. And I'm not going to raise weird kids. Yeah. And I forgot that they were destined to be weird because they're <laughs> my kids. But he said, he said, Becky, try it for a year. Do your very best. If we hate it at the end of the year, we'll do something else. Mm -hmm. Well, that was 25 years ago. So we we started homeschooling our oldest when he 
we went first to a classroom homeschool setting. By the time he was in fourth grade, we came completely home. And then I am one of those homeschoolers that has tried or done everything. We did homeschool. We did um, public school in a box where they sent everything to you at home. We shared curriculum with other homeschoolers. We wrote, you know, our own curriculum. We did charter schools. We even ended our homeschooling with four of our kids doing dual enrollment and earning their diplomas and their associate's degrees at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've been there, done that. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like a living farmer's commercial. I know (laughs) a few things because I've seen a few things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So tell us about leaving your youngest at university recently and why this was such a big success. Stephen is our youngest of five. He did not read until he was 10 at all. He is almost crippling dyslexic and could never sit still. So he, his mission in life I I swear it was tattooed on the bottom of his left foot was to annoy and distract his older four brothers. So Stephen presented this amazing challenge that he was energy personified. Uh, Really the child that taught me that, especially in this world where we don't really talk aloud a lot about the differences between boys and girls, Mm-hmm. but that boys tend to present their their ideas and their writing and their life in the form of verbs where girls tend to be stereotypically more concrete in nouns and so stephen was action on feet he was he was in motion all the time so for stephen specifically i had to teach him how to crochet when he was 4 so that he would not drive his brothers crazy. So I challenged him, I bet you can't make the world's longest chain stitch. And he's like, yes, I can. So I taught him how to chain stitch, which then he would crochet during read aloud time. So he was allowed to do quiet things so that the other brothers could concentrate on the story. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned with Stephen because he couldn't read and it, it, he, we never, by the time we had him, I was way over myself. I didn't worry about any learning benchmarks or how old they were when they could hold a pencil or read. I recognized that it didn't matter when Stephen read, but that Stephen read. Mm -hmm. So everyone in the family read stories to him, he was marinated in literature. He was read aloud stories. He was always in the room while we learned, Mm -hmm. but he was doing other things. He was crocheting, he was building with Legos. And I learned that if I could go back and teach everybody again, I would not even try to teach kids to read until they were 10 at all. And I would just marinate them in story. Because what happened was that he never spent those early years struggling to decode words. He, he never had to decode words. Instead, he spent his childhood being marinating, being marinated in story. So he absorbed ideas and vocabulary and setting and history and thoughts and facts so that when the light bulb came on, 
there was this collision of not only could he read, but he had, he has the highest reading comprehension in the house. Mm. He has the, the biggest vocabulary and his creative writing, his creative storytelling far exceeds even our screenwriter who got a degree in digital screenwriting. So I would, I wouldn't even, I learned from Steven that it's just not worth fighting with kids to Mm -hmm. teach them to read. So fast forward, Steven is the one that we did the least amount of formal curriculum with Hmm. just the least amount. We spent so much time following passion projects and doing hands-on things and just having conversations that by the time he was in high school, I looked around and I saw that for some reason I didn't see this moment that he was the only child at my kitchen table. He was probably in eighth grade, ninth grade. And we, it was a year where I was trying for the first time to do some kind of textbook learning because I was having that homeschool panic of I better prepare him for high school. Mm. And I, I looked at him and I went, wait, I need to connect with this child. And so I pushed all the curriculum aside and we spent the mornings, we would go on a four mile walk every day and we would walk down, we live close to the beach and we would hunt for treasures and I would just listen. We would just talk. And after two weeks, this is where the mat, this is magic. Cause after two weeks he said, mom, don't laugh. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Don't laugh. He says, I think I know what I, what I want to be when I grow up, but I don't want you to laugh. Like, why would I laugh? And I said, just tell me. And he said, I think I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. And I did just what you did. <laughs> but then I remembered something that Carrie Beck said. That when your kids tell you they want to do something, you can you show this wow excitement, and then you lean in and say, "How can I help you do that?" Mm-hmm. And then you go quiet and you wait because it's very likely that they have ideas swirling in their head. So he immediately took a deep breath and said, "I hate to say it, but I think I need more math, and I would love to do a deep dive." into, and I, I recorded this conversation. If I can share this link, I, after he downloaded all this, I said, I want to just record you and I won't, I won't show you on camera, but let's have this conversation again. So you can take notes when we get home. Cause we were miles away from the house. Mm -hmm. So he said, I need to do more math. I need to do a deep dive in anatomy. Mm -hmm. I would love to study the heart deeply And I'd love to study, how do you get into medical school? What are the best medical schools? How do you survive? This all off the top of his head. How do you survive medical school? How do you get enough sleep? All these things. Mm -hmm. And so I said, done. That's what you're going to do this year. Mm -hmm. So we pushed all the curriculum aside. And then he did this, this massive deep dive. He did a massive deep dive into anatomy. He learned how to take beautiful notes on an iPad, which, and so I'm big on cross-curricular things. He he studied anatomy. He studied the heart. He studied how to take notes on an iPad where he would first take notes and then he would import images and beautify it and manipulate it and create video. He did 
a full year of the history of medicine, which were was this little book that is just daily readings or weekly readings that took him all the way from the beginning of medicine to the modern times. He did he did writing of um, creating outlines and action plans on how to get into medical school. And the whole time we kept saying, even if you change your mind, even if you decide to do something else, Mm -hmm. will this have been a waste of your time? And he's like, no. Mm -hmm. I said, why? He said, because I have a goal and I'm plotting my way toward my goal. Wow. Hmm. So when he merged into the college, he that was basically all he had done with high school at that point was that kind of learning. So I was panicked because this child, he hadn't read till he was 10. He hadn't read to hit till he was 10. His spelling still is atrocious. And I thought him just taking the placement exam for college just to figure out where he would land I felt like I was taking a final exam. And so he made his way into the school and flourished. He absolutely flourished because it wasn't that he hadn't learned the right foundational topics yet. He instead had learned to identify goals and to plot a course. He learned that if he had a question, he would raise his hand and ask. Uh, One of my big things is that in high school, I say this over and over to my kids, your job is to become an expert help seeker. So when you bump into problems, there is someone out there who loves what it is you need to know. So your job is to find them and then sit at their feet. And he, he graduated with his diploma and his associate's degree and During the course of his high school, he had been on a rowing crew, a very small one, and he simultaneously, because remember, he's my busy guy. Mm -hmm. So he had done a lot of studying about the life of, he had done a lot of studying on being a cardiothoracic surgeon. Mm -hmm. And he did remember, he's my busy guy. He decided that standing and doing the same surgeries over and over and over again was not a good fit for his personality. So he then started to try to decide. And at the time he was 16 or 17. Well, what can I do with my life? Mm -hmm. So he toyed with continuing to do medical school, continuing to maybe be an emergency room physician because that would be his personality. But then he realized that he loves to row. And he had been on a rowing crew because, again, my husband said, you three young boys, we call them the musketeers, you are all going to row for a year. If at the end of the year you hate it, you can be done. Same thing you did to me. Well, the other two boys loved it, but finished and moved on. Stephen fell in love with rowing. And he got invited to an Olympic development camp last year. And was able to travel across the country and spend a month with Olympians that find he he has a lot to learn. And he recognized he was the lowest man on the totem pole. He's short. He's only six foot tall. That's short for a rower. And he was inexperienced. But he recognized he told his coaches immediately, I immediately see 
that I have so much to learn. And for a teacher, a professor, an employer, or a coach, those are magic words because you have a child, you have a, you have a young adult that's saying, teach me. I'm completely and totally open. And so that's what, that's what happened. And then as the good Lord can only get all the credit for this past year, the doors opened for Stephen to fall deep into rowing. And he got connected with a personal rowing coach who is a national and world champion. And so is his wife. He got connected with the head of U.S. rowing. He got connected with this six foot 10 giant of a rower that is a sweetheart that helped Stephen kind of work through his plans and then ended up in an elite rowing program. And the long story short is that he got recruited to row at the University of San Diego, which is a private university. And he is now down there on their division one rowing team and will be pursuing a degree in business. All from a kid that didn't read till he was 10, has crippling dyslexia and just spelling that's atrocious. But the, the one of the last things I heard him say, he was in his dorm and there, the crew was the crew, which is what you call the rowing team. They, one of the kids was saying that he's in a public speaking class and he was rolling his eyes and complaining. Oh, great. And Steven goes, no, I can help you. Oh. I can rock that because he won all the awards in the public speaking class because communication is one of our primary things. And then he said to the whole crew, he said, look, we're all experts at something. So we're just going to help each other in our areas of expertise. And we're going to help each other succeed. This is, this is like mind blowing to, to watch, you know, cause it's such a homeschooling can be such a scary thing. Mm -hmm. You, you can feel like you are destroying your kid's future because you didn't pick the right curriculum. You didn't hit all the benchmarks. You didn't check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. But at the end, if you lean into helping them love to learn, um, it's it's beautiful. And I, I have stories like that for all five of my kids. So. Wow. So, okay. So was this related to your biggest aha moment was with Steven and this kind of has changed how you've looked? Or did you have this aha moment before that? The aha moment happened with my oldest son. He was in eighth grade. So if he was in eighth grade, that would put him at about 12 or 13, which would make Stephen an infant. So okay. uh, I was sitting across the table from Thomas and I, uh, and he was kind of glaring at me <laughs> and I said, buddy, I owe you an apology. And he was like, what? I said, I owe you an apology. I said, what is it that you want to do? when you grow up? Cause same thing. He's like, I would love to be a history professor. Mm -hmm. And I said, give me your history curriculum. So he pushed the books across the table and I set it aside. And I said, for the rest of the school year, what you get to do is start working on your future files for your future classroom, where you get to pull things that you want to share with your future students. And you'll be able to create outlines for the different periods in history, Etc. I said, if you want to find costume, we made costumes, all kinds of stuff. 
Mm. He said, really? I said, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, and and you know that novel that you want to write? You know that novel that you want to write, but you have no time to do it? I said, give me your curriculum. Give me all your language arts curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I took it and I set it aside. And I said, from now on, you will read every day, but then for writing, you just will work on your novel. And at that point, he burst into tears. And what, what I saw was that I had taken all the busy work away from him, the things that he had no emotional connection to, the things that didn't matter to him. Mm-hmm. And instead, I laid his future in front of him and said, let's wrap academics around what you want to do. And it connected with his heart in a way that changed my teaching forever. And so this this was the birth point of Secret Sauce. And so just kind of the segue in is that I learned firsthand without really knowing what I was doing, that this this incredible stage of learning between learning to read and leaving home is this beautiful fertile ground for exploration and learning and growth and that kids are suffocated by curriculum and they learn to hate the process of discovery and exploration and becoming who they're meant to be because and instead they're burdened by the weight of what somebody in a faraway place has dictated that they should learn because they're x year in x grade and so that those were the beginning stages of secret sauce fast forward a mm, couple years three four years I was at a charter school and my three musketeers. So my bottom three were kindergarten, second grade, third grade, somewhere in that group. And I was under someone that basically is like Miss Frizzle from Mm -hmm. the magic school bus. (laughs) And she taught me how to, how, how to design curriculum around a golden thread, how to bring something to life, how to decide that, you know, the kids are interested in this and this is how you add math, science, history, writing, art, music, food, Mm -hmm. uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. She called it the magic school bus, Mm -hmm. but I learned to call it secret sauce. And so, um, I'm seeing that, my clock is telling me we don't have a ton more time. So secret sauce in itself is that beautiful stage between the foundations of learning to read and the launching stage. It's that time when we have to remember that kids today are in a supercomputer world. Everybody's walking around with a supercomputer in their hand. Mm -hmm. Even as we drove our kids down to drop Stephen off, they were curious and learned about the Pacific Coast Highway, the Redwoods and the fairy rings that are present at the the Redwoods, the history of the Golden Gate Bridge, the history of the San Francisco Fire. Uh, We lived in a town called Tehachapi. And so they were interested and learned about the one of the only railway loops that are in the world and so much more because for them, learning is an adventure. That's what life is. And so Secret sauce is when you pick an idea or a topic that you you want your kids to learn 
or the kids themselves are really interested in. Mm -hmm. And then you give them the opportunity to pick some kind of project. Now, I I actually have secret sauce cards. Hmm. So I have over 40 hands-on projects that my kids choose from. And at the beginning of the school year, I would lay the secret sauce cards on the table. And I would say, by the end of the school year, you will complete five or six projects throughout the school year. So they would pick their favorite project and then their favorite set of projects. So it might be a lap book project, um, a PowerPoint presentation, hosting a feast, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then we would say, okay, this year we're going to be learning about um, the Native Americans of North America. We're going to be learning about ancient civilizations or the Polynesian Islands. Which project do you want to do for each one? And so the kids would then say, oh, I think I want to do the pocket projects, the, the lap book type projects with Native Americans, like perfect. The PowerPoint presentation for ancient history or ancient civilizations, and then this feast that for the islands. And then I would say, great, go outside and play. And then I would map out I would reverse engineer teaching so that the end result was that project. And it sounds overwhelming, but it's not. It's kind of the, it's the same that we walk people through in our membership group. And it's what my mentor taught me. So for instance, if you know that on our trip down, dropping off Stephen, these things, the kids actually looked up on their smartphones or on my smartphone, the Pacific Highway, the Ferry Rings, Golden Gate, the history of the San Francisco earthquakes, the railroad. Mm -hmm. So my job is to pay attention. What is it that the kids are interested in? What is piquing their interest? What are they asking questions about? And then in the active stage of homeschooling, I would take this list and I would, I would be right there with them. Wow, that's really exciting. Then we'd go to the library and we'd pick out books on these things. Mm -hmm. And I would just strew them around the house. I'd set them up and prop them. And I'd watch what is it the kids are leaning towards. And then we would pick a project and take six weeks, eight weeks, sometimes a full year to complete a project. So this secret sauce is the idea that you can teach all the academics that you need to teach. You can teach history, science, writing, math, art, music, food, all these things, life skills, but you can wrap those around something that the kids are interested in, mm -hmm. have something at the end that they're super proud of, that a PowerPoint presentation, a lap book project, uh, a quilt, a story quilt. Um, one of my students wrote a, a book and published her first book at eight and made a bazillion bucks selling her little book. Um, and they just learn so much more and they're now, so engaged. Now, Becky, I have a question because I know some moms are listening. They're going, but what if they miss something really important if I don't do this curriculum? What do you say to the people that are scared? They're like, I love the idea, but this really scares me. You don't miss anything. It's the same way that you and I learn. You know, if I want to learn how to, to create a recipe, um, if I want to learn to create a Thanksgiving meal, it doesn't matter that somebody else thinks that I need to have these 15 things on the menu. 
I can create the Thanksgiving meal that works for me in my skill set, in my kitchen, with my tools, with my experience, for my family, covering their allergies. It's the same idea that you don't need um, a cookbook, a specific cookbook to teach people how to cook. You just need a mentor. You just need a desire to learn. And at the end of the day, if your master homeschool goals cover the basic math facts, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, all that, by the time they graduate high school, how to be excellent communicators, both orally and on paper, everything else kind of takes care, like they, they're lifelong learners. They know how to, you. by the time they graduate, they know how to um, dig into a topic, find the information that they need. My life is no less rich because I don't remember the quadratic equation. <laughs> my life is no less rich because on that drive, my one of my sons was like, hey, is a palm tree a grass or a tree? And I'm like, what? And, he's, and then went into a deep dive science. My life is so rich because I chase curiosity. I love to learn. And I love to learn from people that are experts in their field. And if we can train our kids to do the same thing, they they far exceed their peers. However, it's a delayed reaction. So you spend most of your time freaked out Mm -hmm. that they're going to miss stuff, that they're not going to know what they need to know, only to have them land like Steven Mm -hmm. in this place where they, they, they rise to the surface because they're not afraid. They know how to because you've done secret sauce, they know how to do project planning because you eventually show them how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a, I, and I, it never fails. So we got cut off because homeschool moms love to chat, but Abby asked me to just do a wrap up thought. And that is this idea of secret sauce is so beautiful. And I've seen it work with every child that I've ever worked with my own five and the dozens of kids that I've worked with over the course of the last 10 years in between the foundation stage where kids learn to read and the launching stage where they need to lean into academics that are targeted towards what it is they want to do is this beautiful land of flourishing and fun. And that's where secret sauce lives. And if you can embrace the idea that you don't need to learn a lot and you don't need necessarily a master checklist of skills or ideas that kids need to learn, but instead teach them the ability to pick a project and plan their steps towards completing that project and having each project take four weeks, six weeks, or even a full year, like some of my kids did with some of their master history PowerPoint presentations, At the end, the kids are so engaged because the opposite is when you take the in-between stages and you fill it with curriculum. And what you'll find very likely, there are exceptions. One of my kids loved this, but most, most of the kids, when you give them curriculum, stacks of math, science, history, language arts, et cetera, in that flourishing and fun stage, you'll see the color drain out of their face and the sparkle go away from their eye because they don't have emotional buy-in to what it is that they're learning. And in today's world where information is in the palm of their hand, because most of them are holding supercomputers more powerful than the ones that put us on the moon 
They know that if they have a question, they can ask Siri or they can do a quick query online and they can learn what they want to know. So instead of focusing on what they want, what they need to learn, instead, the beauty of Secret Sauce is to teach them to wrap what they are learning around something that they are excited about, some kind of hands-on project, some kind of formal thing that they complete that they then get to share with the world or their dad or their grandma or the people next door or somebody online, just depending on what they choose. Secret Sauce is amazing. And it is part of what what I do with A Better Way to Homeschool and inside our Homeschooling Olympians um, program. If you're curious about these stages of homeschooling, I would love to invite you to our free masterclass, The Three Stages of Homeschool, which will help you understand each of these stages more clearly. And then if you have more questions, you'll know how to reach me. But I want to pause and say thank you so much to Abby for having me on the podcast. It's such an honor and a privilege. I love her so much and love her teaching. And you guys are in amazing hands. Have a wonderful day and happy homeschooling. I absolutely loved that chat with Becky. Are you kind of blown away? She has so much to share there from raising five boys and launching them out into being successful adults. So thanks, Becky, for joining us. This was really great. Of course, we're going to have links in our show notes at 41more.com forward slash 230. You can find links to Becky's masterclass and check out what she's doing over at A Better Way to Homeschool. All right. Thanks for joining us today for the podcast. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.